It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, March 16th, and you're listening to episode 407. I'm your host, Jason Slingerland, here for another episode. And uh, this week, I've got a special guest with me, and that guest is Matthew Hawker. Hey, Matthew. Hey there. How are you? I'm doing great. So, um, interesting fact about uh, Matthew is I several times record with people that I've never actually met in person, uh, but in this case, uh, I am recording with someone who I've never even met in voice until roughly, according to our conversation, five minutes and 57 seconds ago. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, what happened was uh, I hadn't scheduled an interview or a co-host for this week, and I was going to do that, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do something different. So I tweeted, and I said, hey, who's going to be on the show with me this week? Here's when I can record. It was a tight schedule, so uh, here's when I can record. Who's interested? And uh, and Matthew replied and said, I'll take a shot. Uh, here's what I want to talk about, and uh, I'm interested. And uh, then the rest was history. The rest has brought us here today. Um, I mentioned earlier to him, it's felt like he volunteered his tribute. Uh, he has not been somebody who's been with the show for a long time. So it's, uh, this is all new to him. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Uh, we'll like, yeah, we'll talk about all sorts of stuff, but Matthew, uh, first I want to give you a chance to tell us a little about yourself. Matthew is a designer and publisher, uh, and I'm going to give him a chance to tell him a little about himself here. Uh, sure. Thank you so much, Jason. So obviously I'm Matthew. I, I feel like that's a little redundant at this point, <laughs> but I feel it's important to introduce myself as such. Um, I created a publishing board game company called Koo Games, and I recently uh, self-published my first game called Composition, where you take the role of one of 11 unique maestros and you compose words or performances. Um, I have always been a massive fan of word games. I used to be horrid at them. And so I spent a couple of years trying to play as many as possible. And I ended up being inspired and wanting to take a shot at one of my own. And I kind of started going down that route and it just snowballed from there. Um, otherwise I've, I've always loved the tabletop scene. Uh, I'd say for the last year and a half, two years, I've been going to more tabletop conventions than I've ever, I, did, I, I even knew existed and it's been an amazing journey. Awesome. Which, uh, which conventions have you been to, uh, of late? Uh, you know, I've been to a few local ones, but the the most recent one was PAX Unplugged. Uh, that uh, yes. was an b- absolute blast. Uh, I was actually supposed to go to a convention this weekend, but due to um, coronavirus concerns, unfortunately, it has been canceled. Right, right. I was going to say, I- I'm looking forward to trying out PAX Unplugged for the first time this year, but we'll see what happens. We'll see if there's, I'm planning on Origins, Gen Con, and uh, hopefully PAX Unplugged. And uh, right now, I would bet against possibly any of those happening. There's always a chance, right? Uh, Orig- yeah. Origins, I think, is the most likely cancellation because that's the soonest one. Um, yes. But uh, hopefully by the time August rolls around and then certainly after that when PAX Plug come, hopefully hopefully things will be back to normal or normal-ish. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of cancellations happening. So here... And you are, where are you from? I said, all I said was we're going to record in Eastern time. Uh, I didn't actually ask where you were from. <laughs> so, uh, great question. I'm, I'm from the DC metropolitan area. I live in Alexandria. I grew oh, up yeah. in Maryland and I ended up moving right across the bridge. Uh, right. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to the city and the DC scene here. 
Um, yeah. I there's actually it's I when I started going down this journey, I think um, one of the first play tests I, I ever went to was at a place called Labyrinth Games. Um, and the first, that was my first public play test. And, uh, one of the first people to publicly play test my game was, uh, Elizabeth Hargrave of, uh, Wingspan. So that was pretty neat. That's, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty awesome. Oh, that's a nice, uh, that's a nice area. My wife was actually just out there two weeks ago. So yeah. Oh, interesting. Very cool. Yeah. For a conference, um, which won't that's be all, happening again. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that's all that DC has is conferences. Right, right, right. Nonstop. Yeah. I've been there once and it was it was cool to go there once and actually be able to look around and see everything. So um yeah. Well, hey, tell me a little bit about um about the game, the word game that you made. Sure. So all word games have an obvious foundation, which is spelling words. Um I, I so really when when you start with a word game. You're you're really thinking about okay, well, what is what what do people enjoy doing in word games, and what kind of words do they make? And and it seems kind of obvious at first, but then you start getting into you start looking at other games like competitive Scrabble or even casual Scrabble, and you kind of have an idea of how different audiences build different words and what they tend to build and what they tend to use against each other and what their frustrations might be and so on and so forth. So in uh, to sort of backtrack a bit in composition with all that in mind um, every character has a predetermined set of three letters so basically your character is exactly what your three letters are so for example you might start with the three letters o w and l um, and as such you are the owl maestro uh-huh. um, so that is that is your character you get the letters o w and l permanently for the remainder of the game um, the game involves drafting. So each round, letters come out onto the table and players take turns taking from those cards. And then a little bit differently than a lot of other word games, you're actually, every, once everyone's taken cards or letters, they build their words simultaneously. So there's not, I'm waiting for you to take your turn and then I do my turn. Uh, that only really occurs during the drafting phase. So it tends to move pretty quickly. Right. Take, um, taking a letter, obviously, is a little easier than actually having to use said letter, right? Yes, correct. Uh, there, I will say, though, that a lot of the cards do have abilities and things like that, a la something you would see in maybe paperback or even games like Word Domination, where mm-hmm. certain letter concepts do have abilities. Uh, so some folks do spend a lot of time trying to go through saying, okay, this card might do this, but maybe I want this card instead. But for the most part, the drafting phase is pretty quick. Um, there is a wild card that's always available from the draft. It's just one wild card per round. So the first player to grab that usually has a lot of flexibility. And then there's uh, always going to be two face down cards that tend to be very powerful. Uh, you'll earn roses for the words that you make or the performances that you create. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can spend those roses on either card powers or purchasing those, those two face down cards I mentioned. Or if you save them up, you can purchase ovation cards, which are uh, permanent letters, like the cards that you start with. They're, they oh. have little locks on them, um, and they're very powerful. So it's an additional vowel, or there's an ovation card that is any consonant. It can be any consonant. So any, th- any letter that's not A, E, I, O, or U. Right. Um, there's a card that allows you to mirror another letter already in your performance. And then there's a card that allows you to make it any ovation card that has not yet been purchased or an ovation card that you own. So there's a lot of power there. And because they're locked letter cards, it's a lot of extraordinary power that can kind of give you, it basically expands the game. As those cards get purchased, the draft increases. So every time an ovation card gets purchased, um, I increase the number of cards that come out each round by one. 
Uh, oh, interesting. So words start, they, they start kind of small, but then they build and build and build and build. Now, the letters that you start with, like I mentioned, they're locked, they're permanent, uh, but the cards that come out are not permanent, they're not locked. So that means when you use them, you discard them. If you choose not to use them, you can save uh, up to two per round. Some maestros work a little bit differently than that, but for the most part, that's the, the baseline. You get to save cards you don't use uh, up to a certain amount, and then they get discarded on use, unless they have like a lock on them, which means permanence. Uh, the two face-down right. cards I mentioned, they tend to be very powerful cards. So they're cards that allow you to build additional words, cards that are vowels, which are always very handy to have in word games, uh, cards that are locked letters, like the cards that you start with, but they're all consonants, R-S-T-L-N and the letter P for permanence. That's my own little in-joke there. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so on and so forth. Uh, the only other thing worth mentioning in this game, which I think also sort of sets it apart, uh, ovation cards, which are sort of the victory point in the game that you spend, you purchase with roses. Uh, there's another victory card called uh, awards, literally an award. Uh, you earn those by accomplishing the goal in the cards. So for example, spell a word seven letters or more, so a classic length one. But then you have certain things like uh, create a uh, spell a word with three vowels or more, spell a word that begins and ends with a vowel. Spell a word that begins and ends with the same letter. Uh, uh, spell a word that uses three crescendo cards or more. So there are unique goals that you're competing for. Very um, cool. And both those cards, the first player to get one, they keep it. And that's their victory point, essentially. Right. So what I'm that that all sounds really interesting. Like you you have my attention. I'm gonna I'm gonna check this game out, honestly, after the show. Um one of the things that I'm curious about though that really piques my interest is the characters you said they are what they're named. So Owl, can I ask what the other characters are? Just because that's the first thing that, like, that must have been terrible to balance. So, like, wh uh, what are the so, other? So, uh, yeah. So it 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 was it was interesting to balance. Um, so what what I actually did with all each of these characters, uh, just to, before I get in the listing, uh, every character I sort of went through a variety of like online dictionaries and uh, like sort of word creators. So I would put uh, a set of three letters. I would put two random letters and I would see the number of words that I could make. And then I would match that with how people played the characters and how they'd play tests and so on and so forth. Um, but there's two characters for each vowel. And then there's an 11th wild character, which I'll get into in a moment. So you have, um, and of course, I, I, my, my, my brain always explodes when I try to list these out. Uh, you have owl um, and then you have ram. You have imp and ink. Uh, you have, you know what? Hold on a second. I made this game, yet there's it's it's so easy to forget. It's like a I a, haven't uh, designed a lot of games. Uh, I agree with you. <laughs> I have published uh, games where somebody's like, "So, can you teach us how to play this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, uh, let me see those rules real quick." Um, <laughs> yeah, let me uh, yeah let me let me pull those up. Take take a peek right. at that. Or I was actually right, I showed someone how to do something, and they said, "Dude, this isn't how you play this." And I was like, "Oh, you're right. It's not." <laughs> All right, I I have them up, so I'm 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 ready. Uh, so the E characters, uh, you're going to have Elf and you're going to have Rex. So E-L-F and R-E-X. All right. Uh, the A characters, you're going to have Cat and you're going to have Ram. So C-A-T and R-A-M. Um, the O characters are going to have Hog, H-O-G, and Al, O-W-L. Uh, and the U characters are Mud, M-U-D, and Sun, S-U-N. And I already mentioned the I characters, but they're Imp, I-M-P, and Ink, I-N-K. Nice. That is, he, yeah, that's really, <laughs> what a unique idea for, um, yeah, 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 I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm just a little, like, thinking too much about this game now, <laughs> like, I so, really like the idea. 
so each character has their own unique power and they have a single card of their three letter set that has a unique power as well. Uh, there's one other character that I didn't mention. It's the 11th character. So a lot of folks in playtesting, they really wanted a character that started with four letters and they really wanted a character that had a random set of letters. And so I saw, thought, oh, well, okay. why not both? So I made something called the, a character called the Mast Maestro, sort of like the Phantom of the Opera styled. Uh, the Mast <laughs> Maestro basically uh, starts with four cards. They start with four starting letter cards. So how that works, after all the characters have been chosen, all the remaining starting letters are shuffled up and you draw four of them. And you get, so it's a random set of letters. Uh, you, you, you shuffle it and you redraw until you're guaranteed one vowel and each letter is unique. So that okay. way you have a, a set of four unique letters and you're guaranteed one vowel. So it's almost always a guarantee that you're going to be able to make some kind of word. Awesome. Uh, but for all the other characters, you have a set word that you're always able to build. So if you can't think of anything else, at minimum, you're always going to be able to spell your starting word. You're never going to not be able to do that. And so I at, at the very least, it provides some comfort for players. Uh, for folks that are wordsmiths, it's like, okay, well, I want to do more. And you absolutely can in this. But for folks who want sort of an easier segue into the bigger word building, you're going to start with smaller sets of words. You're going to start with smaller goals. And you're going to incrementally build up to larger and more powerful words. That makes sense, which also is nice because that, I mean, that is, you know, that has a has a nice build to it, right? Like you want that. You want it to ramp up as you go. So um, absolutely. So I'll, I'll admit, I just looked up the art on this game. This art is really fun. Yeah, this is like, I. it's really good looking art. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I was curious because with all these different characters, I was like, oh, what would these look like? Oh, they're cute. They're very cute people. They're very cute. <laughs> so, um, all right. Cool. So let's, I want to talk a little bit, you, you went across a lot there, but I want to talk a little bit about like, let's actually focus on. So for the topic, we're going to actually talk about, you know, word games. And in, I think maybe with a focus on how to build a word game, if that's cool with you. Um, Absolutely. So, so one of the things I want to point out, first of all, uh, the amount of, of thought you put into how to build the word game is both very cool and very daunting, right? Um, just listening, well, I went to the sideline, I did this, this, and this, and like I'm used to just making a spreadsheet and doing a bunch of math and saying, mm -hmm. well, that looks about right. And then we play it and I'm like, ah, I'm going to tweak it a little, right? Um, right. So that's that's very, I know that essentially that is what you're doing, but you were also thinking a lot about the types of words people spell and what, it brought up something to me that is, which one of the reasons I don't play Scrabble very often or word games very mm -hmm. often um, unless I'm playing with like competitive Scrabble players, right? And I'm not talking about like professional competitive, but just people who are like, they know Scrabble and they, they have a passion for winning and being competitive because mm -hmm. the worst thing you can do as one of those Scrabble players is place with someone who, who, who isn't that way. Um, because you will, you'll basically just look like a know-it-all jerk throughout the whole game, right? They're like, I made this five-letter word and I scored 20 points. And I'm like, I made this two-letter word and scored 50 points. And they're like, you're the worst, right? Um, so, so you talked about how you were, you know, thinking through that, correct? Thinking through the types of players that make the certain types of words, um, so like how, I guess, how does that wrap into the game design process for something like this? Because with, so, with Scrabble, obviously there was no forethought in that, right? Like it was just, I, I think that's a game that had a lot of emergent gameplay with people being like, 
like I bet the initial character people who made Scrabble were like, let's just make a fun game where you make words, right? And the people were like, let's get crazy about it. Um, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, well, you, so we we can't talk about Scrabble without talking about Alfred Butts. Um, Alfred basically had a lot of really cool ways to go about designing Scrabble, um, and there was a lot of there's a lot of stuff that he went through. So. I, you know, I, I hope I'm not botching this history lesson, but um, a couple of things that I remember when I was reading up on word games and trying to dive into the history, um, he took a bunch of New York Times articles and a bunch and all these other books and laid out like basically counted out the letter count in all these articles, and he was like trying to count out rarity of letters. Wow! Um, and so he and so he basically measured all of that out, um, and that helped him develop the point system in Scrabble. Um, now. The point system, uh, actually, before I even get into that, the next thing that he did was after he sort of made a letter distribution, he figured out letter count and then he devised uh, scoring for the letters. Uh, The next thing he did was he said, you know what, S is really strong and it's really easy to use. So even though that's a very common letter, I'm going to take out a few S's and make it a restricted letter, which is why S is extraordinarily powerful in Scrabble, but it's also very rare. That was right. very much a balancing technique because it was too easy for players to br- uh, bridge between words. Um, right, so right. Alf- Alfred had a lot of really great ideas of what he wanted Scrabble to be. And I think, like I said, if I recall correctly, and I, I hope I don't get this wrong, before it was on a board, it was just letters. There was no board. And then someone else was like, well, put it on a board. And he was like, okay. And so then he put it on a board. Um, and, so, and then so it basically kinda, it was bananagrams. And then yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was bananagrams before bananagrams. Nice. Um, yes, and I I, I get chuckled that too. But but a good way to look at Scrabble, and in my opinion, it, its evolution of a, as a game, and one of the, my favorite things about Scrabble is it's one of the only games in existence that the the rules change based on outside elements adapting like it's it's not like the the rules are being updated and improved the 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 mechanics of the game or rather the availability of of what you can do in the game changes over time based on the uh lexicon of the world like how we're communicating what words we create that sort right, of thing right right um and and to me that's a really profound element of the game and to me also what i i, I find kind of fascinating about it is that the game still holds very well. And if, if anything, sometimes it improves the game. Um, as right. an example, the word ZA, Z-A was added in, I think, 2006. Um, and that allowed players to bridge in new ways and score new forms of points. And it created new strategies. And it had to, it, it helped people rethink the game. And it created a new Scrabble meta. Um, like, like there's a lot of, <laughs> right, 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 right. And so it, it's, it's those kinds of things I, I was sort of fascinated by when I started diving into this. Um, and then you start finding all these folks in, in, in the modern age who are like, well, we need to change the, the point scoring in Scrabble. We need to change the, the amount of points each letter is worth because the lexicon has changed that is acceptable in Scrabble. So for example, um, there's a, variety of folks who believe that the, the the letters in Scrabble are no longer balanced because the uh, types of words that you have access to have uh, expanded. So um, as a result, letters like the letter U, for example, some people think that should be worth more points. Uh, some people think the letter Q should be worth less points. But these are folks that have played the game a lot and no words like Q, the letter, the word QI or Chi yeah. or Cot, yeah. Q-A-T. Yep. Those are um, two and, of the most common words that I see used among like 
the the my level of competitive people, right? Where like those are the right. trick words where people are like that's not a real word. And like it is, it is, and it's worth it thirty is. points, right? Um, and and so trying to build a word game that satisfies those folks and then satisfies casual players is is interesting to do. But I I, I don't. I don't want to make it sound like it was easy, but it, it isn't terribly difficult. And, and and there's there's a reason for this is that building words is an inherently fun experience if the the game sets it up to be a fun experience. In other words, you're you're crafting something, you're searching your 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 mental bank for something, and you you're satisfied in your creation because it's something that you're building. It, it's not just mm-hmm. like uh, it's not just processing mechanic. It's not moving a piece. It's something that you accomplish. Um, and so I think that's very satisfying for uh, word uh, game word game players that play on a casual level, and even satisfying for folks that play competitively when you when you find the right placement or you find that perfect word. Right, right. Um, in addition to this, for in a, in a casual setting, one of the things I like about composition because players are building words simultaneously. I found that players really like communicating. They like saying, "Hey." I know a word you can do or, Oh my gosh, I see something. And they like, it's there, it's there. And, and everyone's, everyone gets excited about that. And so, nice. uh, because I saw so much of that, I, I had a rule in the game. Uh, you can pay a willing player one rose, uh, for help building your word. And so just like little, <laughs> nice. little, little things like that. Um, That's and cool. I, I loved, I loved seeing that. Uh, so I, I guess like there's a lot of different elements that sort of go into that. And some of the things that I thought were important were that, even though all these cards have all these different powers, uh, you can still do fairly well just building words that you see you think are fun because you're always able to earn a certain number of roses in this game. At minimum, you're always going to earn three roses, which means you can always eventually do something and you can always grab something or gain something. Um, and so and, and the game is limited because you're only able to get one ovation or one award card per round. So this is my other balancer. So wordsmiths good, that... Yep. Yeah, so wordsmiths that are like, all right, I have a five, a seven-letter word, begins and ends the same letter. Those are both vowels. Uh, three crescendo cards. I take four awards, and that doesn't happen. You can only take one. You can pick one. Right. And if you purchase smart. an ovation card, yes. And if you purchase the ovation card in the same round, you also can't earn an award the same round. So you only right. get one of those victory cards. So you really got to think about what's important to you. So it slows down the wordsmith. Some of what you're describing here, have you, I, have you played Splendor? Yes, uh, so, uh, actually, it's. I didn't play it until after I designed uh, composition because a few folks mentioned that it was similar to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very different, but you you smartly put in place some of the same limitations. Um, for instance, they've got these royals, you know, you can get or whatever they're called, um, and you know, you can only get one of those per turn. There have been multiple games where I've played where I could have taken two or even three of them in a turn. Um, but because it's delayed, other players will then steal them out from under you, which is good, right? Because it makes the game more balanced. So, yeah, that's that's great. Um, I'm I just curious. I think it's very different. But, yeah, there are certainly some similarities with how that engine builds, you know? Yes. And Splendor of itself is like a super basic engine builder, right? You know what I mean? It's like, yes, it is just the engine. There's nothing fancy on there. Um, so it's not odd for another game that has that type of feeling to feel like that game. Oh, hundred percent. Most games have aspects of other games. It's, it's almost unavoidable. Oh, of course. It, yeah. It, it's comforting. It's, it's, it's actually a, it's, we've had long discussions about why that's having a, a mechanic that is truly unique is cool, but it's also 
makes the game more complex because I can't say it's like Splendor, right? Um, right. And I love being able to describe a game by saying it's got this from this game and this from that game, and you mash them together, and that gets you started, right? And that I I love that as a as a when I'm teaching games to people. It it it, it and also it helps them like it just it just skips so much of the okay what is this they go in right, okay right. well I know what this is already kind of so I kind of have a good idea of what to look for how to how to process my thoughts on this. I'm familiar um, so, how to trade in the Mediterranean, so I think I've got this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the <laughs> uh, the 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 other thing I was going to mention about Scrabble is that Scrabble really kind of, and, and again, I like hope I'm not uh, botching up the history lesson here. Uh, it really came and uh, popularized sort of in the Great Depression era, a little bit after that. Uh, one of the advantages that the game has in that in that period of time, and even up till now, is that everyone in existence for the most part knows words they know words on some mm-hmm. level it's also why scrabble yep. translates into other con- in, in other countries so well it's just everyone has a lexicon that they use on a casual level so on a colloquial level even there's certain things that they can do and with scrabble because really it is your lexicon a lot of folks house rule the game and they feel comfortable just making words that either they've made up and agreed upon as acceptable or however you want to do it so there's a lot. So there's a lot of right. flexibility in what you can do in that game, and it's fun. So speaking translation is a great is a great thing, and I've thought about that with Scrabble before. Obviously, maybe you reduce some point values, you know, if, especially if their alphabet is different or their words are different. Um, like thinking about it being in Spanish, right? Like they don't have a lot of words that have K or W, for instance. Yes. So um, now, granted, we don't have tons either, and those are good letters in Scrabble, but they're theoretically even better if you can figure out how to use them in Spanish. Um, or the fact that there are more letters in Spanish, but, um, thinking about your game, uh, how does, how does that work? Have you done any translations with it or no? I have not. Um, that really is down the pipeline. If, if it's something that becomes popular enough for that to exist, because this is very much a word games are a tricky pitch these days. It's one of the things that I was shocked by when I got into this going into uh, conventions is people would literally walk by and they go word games. I was like, what can happen? I I would never do that to you because again, I like word games, but yeah, it's um, I think that people can dismiss them out of hand because they think, Oh, it's Scrabble, right? It's a Scrabble Mm -hmm. variant. Um, but it's yeah. I mean, what you do, what you have is not that, not at all. So so you know one of one of the uh, one of the things that I learned very quickly is when you sort of go down this sort of road is that you have to design a pitch that matches the audience when you're presenting a game at a convention or even sure a playtesting yeah. event. Um, and so what I quickly learned was I was never I was never going to define it as a word game in the first sentence. The first sentence was always going to be. Hey there, this is composition. In composition, you take the role of one of 10 unique maestros. At the time it was 10. One of 10 unique maestros and conduct performances. Right. And they'd go, okay, all right, you have my ear. And then when they sit down, then I'd go, it's a word game. You and do at that, that point, by spelling. And they're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, got him. <laughs> it's too late. Too late. You sat down. Yeah. Locked but you, usually... Usually it ended up uh, it ended up working out just fine. A lot of it because again I, I think it taps into something for some people if you're in the right setting or if you have the right framing rather. Well, you've got uh, some nice safety nets in there too, like the ability to just make the word you have right. Like yes, you always have a word you can make, and I would guess probably you have some simple variation on that word you can make a lot of times. 
uh, based on the fact that you've got other letters and those, you know, if I've got owl, if I can get a C or a B or a lot of other things, I can make an easy word, you know? So, yeah, yes. I mean, that is, I like that about it. Uh, it, it, it also, it, you know, sort of going down that route, one of the things I picked up pretty quickly is that certain characters have their own meta that comes up. Like, I, I like the word meta, so I'm using it a lot. I'm using it casually here. It's a good uh, word. <laughs> they, uh, they, they sort of have their own interactions with the game and sort of what they're looking for and what they want to build upon and how they want to build and what they want to target, yada, yada, yada. But uh, the uh, sort of like what, what you said, a couple other little fun things I have in the game. The Maestro Imp, I-M-P, uh, his ability is he gets a double performance school when his performance is two cards or less. So he specializes in small words. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. So, so the funny trick here, and, and this is something that I, I would watch in play testing because some people would catch it and some people wouldn't. Um, a lot of folks are set, would think, okay, well, I always spell my three-letter words. So imp players would always spell imp. But there's two two-letter words in imp, P-I for pi yep. and M-I. My. So at minimum, you're always able to earn four roses as imp. <laughs> but a lot of people would be like, I'll just do imp. I'll just do imp. Yeah. And sometimes I'll be like, do you want to do something else? And they'd be like, nope, I'm doing imp. I said, okay, cool. And, but it was, it was, uh, it was cool to sort of see that. And then some people would catch on and be like, oh, I see what you're doing. And then they kind of play with that a little bit. So in that sort of setting, you have, again, maybe access to, more complex words in your, you know, through, through, uh, your word building or simple words like P, uh, like B E or me or however you want to build, depending on what letters you get. Have you, um, so, so for this, this game, you self pub, well, you published via Kickstarter, correct? Yes. Correct. Um, and then how have you done distribution? Um, I've done distribution individually, so I've contacted a variety of game stores on my own or have had previous connections. So I'm, I'm still working on that, honestly, but this is very much a, explorative process so i the game is in 12 stores currently and i'm still trying to get it around and, and ex explore that kind of thing and admittedly this convention uh, up this weekend that was canceled unfortunately is some some lost opportunity for me there but i'm still i'm still at it eventually i'm going to do like the whole online store thing and uh really just kind of keep expanding individually because I, I i just i like the idea of having a, a fresh concept of a word game i think it's fun i think it'll work well um, I've just, I honestly, I, I just, I love playing it and showing it to people. So I'm, I'm still going down that road. Right, right. No, and I, the first game that I published, I did the exact same thing. I ended up, um, just going to stores one by one and I ended up with probably in 20 stores or so, and then for sale online and, uh, and eventually it sold out of the 1100 copies I printed. So, or nearly sold out. I think I have about a hundred copies left. So I'm pretty happy with that. Like that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Awesome. So you do not currently sell it online? Uh, I am about to. Uh, the website construction was taking a second. It's almost done, though. So it's, a, awesome. it, it's, it's, it's fun going this route because you learn a lot of different things you very do, quickly. You do, right? Yeah, yeah. I was fortunate to already have a website for the podcast, so I just put it up there for sale and made it nice and easy. Boom. Yeah. Um, so uh, when you're thinking about word games, so... Uh, um, I enjoyed the idea of you kind of explaining pitching the word games and that, yes, the audience can be tough and that people can be like, oh, it's a word game and just dismiss it out of hand, which is unfortunate, of course, very unfortunate. Uh, but I can totally see how that happens. 
Um, so you've said a lot of it actually feels easier than we might think it is. But what what do you think really is the the biggest challenge around developing a word game that is that is um, you know solid solid and unique, right? Um, something that's not just, you know, a, like not a Scrabble clone, right? Words with friends, highly successful, but it's just Scrabble. Um, so yeah, or mostly. So, so yeah, um, you know, I, I think earlier on you mentioned that like, uh, when you were doing game design, there's a lot, there's a, there's some mathy aspects and, and there's definitely that with word games as well, not just in letter distribution, but also how many points is a letter word worth things like that. Um, I was very inspired by Tim Fowers and his creation of paperback. Uh, I used to yeah, play that a yeah. lot. I've, um, but I like, I like that Quiddler, like word domination, banana mm-hmm. every word game you can think of. I just absorbed and I, I took them all in. And one of the things you kind of pick up really quickly with a lot of word games, especially modern word games is that a lot of the times the word game is sort of a, uh, a rendition of, of a different game. Uh, like paperback, of course, is very much the word version of Dominion. Um, uh, right, word domination right. is very much a territory control game, though I would also say Scrabble is that as well. Uh, which oh, is a, a fun absolutely. Way to think of yeah. I mean, that was territory control before anyone would have thought about <laughs> being a thing. But yes, it's very much area control for sure. Um, and, and so like, I, I really wanted to do a, I, I had two rules going into this game. Uh, the, the two rules for me were, well, I guess three, uh, the, 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 the but the two, there are two rules mechanically that I thought were relevant. The first rule was that, uh, the characters, the, the players needed to have a set of letters that they were guaranteed to have. Um, one of the things that would always frustrate me in Scrabble, especially after I got into a competitive setting is that after a certain point, you know, exactly when you've won or lost. Um, there's, it, 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 right. it's, it, it, it drove me batty. And like, if I didn't have the right letters I'd need, or if I didn't get a bingo and my opponent got a bingo and I wasn't able to get the, the sets of letters I needed, even with like perfect word knowledge, it, it felt like I was just, uh, walking towards an end. I, I, I wasn't going to be satisfied with, and that it, was fine. I still, I still had fun with it, but it's like, it, it was just like, well, I want these letters. I want to know what my letters are. Right. I want to. You know, and, and and so I I didn't like the the blind draw, and I didn't like not knowing what my opponent had because I would always be terrified. Well, am I going to set them up for something incredible? So I, I wanted players to know exactly what everyone had, and I wanted them to have a set of letters that they were guaranteed to have. So everything in composition is public knowledge. The cards that you draft from, uh, the the cards that you own. The only thing that's not public knowledge are those two face down cards on the on the the uh, on the. Bleh. In, in the in, on the table itself, and then in the decks that you place cards from, uh, the the second rule that I had in composition was that every player had to build words simultaneously. Um, I thought this was really important uh, because people tend to overthink their words sometimes in word games. I did not right, want to have a right. timer. I was not a fan of doing a timer, but think of something like wordsy. Players are thinking about their words simultaneously, but then if you're if you make your word first, then you activate a timer. I liked that concept, but I, I didn't think it fit composition because the, long, right, the, right. the length of your words is going to increase over the course of the game as you get more letters. So a timer didn't make sense. So I, I just knew that the words had to be built simultaneously. So at the very least, players never felt like they were just waiting endlessly for someone else to do something. Right. 
Um, and I, I'd say those were two really important aspects that I think make composition unique compared to other word games mm-hmm. is you have like sort of infinite knowledge of what everyone's working on and you're building your words at the same time. And it, it creates right. a comfortable environment. You don't feel like you're, you're sitting there forever wait, watching someone build a word while you can't really process yours. And then, and then from there I was like, okay, well I really like concepts with drafting. I don't want players to have permanent letters. I don't want them to be forever letters for the most part outside of a set number of letters. And I want players to have to make choices. Like, do I want to save this letter for a future round to potentially build something bigger? Or do I want to use it now for some quick extra points? Do I want to take a gamble on one of these rare cards or do I want to save up my roses and, and get something bigger? Uh, and so I, I wanted to have interesting choices and the only other thing in the game that I haven't mentioned yet, and these are sort of outlier cards, mm-hmm. um, in, in the game, there's these cards, they're called tomato cards. So tomato cards <laughs> tend to be, they're, they're, they're thrown at the maestros from an audience is the idea. Yep. yep. Um, they, they, they tend to be dastardly, not always, but they tend to be very dastardly, um, or they, they change the mechanics of the game. So for example, I have the hot tomato and the fiery tomato, and with these letters, if you don't use that card in your performance, it explodes and you lose all your roses. If you do use it, you pass it to the next player. Um, <laughs> and so a, lot, a, little, a lot of little things like that started coming into play. And um, after that, it, it, I just wanted to make sure players had a lot to think about. They had a lot to consider, but they also didn't have to if they don't want to, uh, you, you, because you really you're... Your, your your victory points aren't like a thousand turns away. It's pretty easy or quick to get up to 20 roses relatively soon. You're probably going to do it once every three to four turns if you just save your letters, or rather you save your roses. Right, uh, so right. you're always able to progress through the game at a, at a pretty decent pace, whether you're doing very well or you're doing okay. Right, right. That's interesting. Um, yeah, all right. Well, this, is, um, this has been an interesting topic to discuss, and I... I I thought I knew a lot about word games and I, I was, I was wrong. <laughs> so, uh, but the, uh, everything that goes into the behind the scenes on this is, is super interesting to me. And I'm sure the listeners out there are going to think the same thing. So, um, anything else you want to say about that before we have you talk about a game? Um, you know, honestly, I, I, I just think that one of the coolest things about this was sort of looking at the history of word games and what previous designers went through to make them. Right. I think a lot of people undervalue how significant that was and how important that was just to games in general. Uh, so I, I guess I would say if you have free time folks, like just sort of do some research on that. Look up Alfred Butts. Uh, I think one of the funniest things, uh, to me was that Scrabble became popular be, really because the uh i think it was like the ceo of of macy's uh he was like pl- he found the game randomly on vacation he like called someone in his company he was like hey why is this in our stores and they were like no and he's like well get it in there and, and then it and oh, then wow. scrabble just it just exploded from there so like there's just wow. a lot of neat little things when it comes to word game history that i've i've sort of grown to appreciate yeah, to think that we probably would have never heard of Scrabble had that guy not happened to play it and put it in his stores, right? Yeah. That's that's insane, which of course spawned a thousand word games, right? Because I mean that's, you know, I mean it was it was the the word game of the day that still is it's an evergreen game obviously, but you know, it spawned a lot of a lot of interest in that. So, that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, so now you're going to pitch a game, which I have no idea may or may not be another word game. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, so here, here, here's my pitch. It's a hidden role game. 
All right. All right. Um, and the majority of the players are sheep. And there, there is your classic wolf in this game, but it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. So he's disguising himself as a sheep. Right. Um, every care, like the, the sheep want to protect each other, but the wolf wants to infiltrate the herd and get more wolves pretending to be sheep until they have complete control of the herd. So the game will have rounds where every, every night, like uh, the wolf will place a, a target on a sheep player and then a bluff on another sheep player. And then the sheep will all have like influence. They won't know, they won't be able to look at their own target because sheep are giant and fluffy, but they can give someone else influence to look at the target for them and then tell everyone, all the sheep, what they have. Um, and uh-huh. so I would, the, the sheep would then pay another uh, character an influence who may or may not be a wolf to announce what the car is. Um, in the sheep, there might be a character called the black sheep and the black sheep is, uh, kind of mischievous. He, he or she wants the sheep to win, but if they look at the card or like the, the bluffer target card, they always have to say the opposite of what it is. <laughs> the, the goal of the wolf is to either create more wolves or gain influence. So basically, if the sheep don't, if the players don't defend the true target, they're attacked and they may become a wolf. So they'll draw a new roll card, basically, which may or may not be a wolf card, or the attack might not go through and they stay a sheep. Um, the uh, the the wolf players are trying to collect influence, so they may want to be the bet that pretend to be the best sheep. So maybe the game has two influence per player. In a game of five players, there's 10 influence total. The wolf player needs to have seven influence. So either that player needs to collect influence from others, and over the course of the game, more influence gets um, added into the to the economy, um, or they need to create more wolves, which means in total, they have that amount of influence. Mm-hmm. The sheep players mm-hmm. just need to defend uh, the true target a certain number of rounds, and then they officially win. And so you have these competing goals of interest where the sheep players kind of want to keep the influence evenly distributed, but the wolf players kind of want to gain a lot of influence and throw Mm -hmm. people off the scent and get rid of influence from other players by forcing them to spend it to see what rolls on them. Uh Aha. So maybe something like that. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. And I love the idea of the black sheep roll that's forced to lie uh, and make themselves suspicious. No, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, what's the, what do you think the player count is on that? Um, I think it would be anywhere between, I mean, honestly, you could do a game like that five and up. You just sort of have to introduce more wolves with numbers of players. I'd say like maybe five to 12, five to 10. Okay. So minimum five, you think? I think minimum five for a hidden role game. I feel like you always need to have a minimum of five players to really create that tension and like, di- like divor- diverse player interaction. Right. Right. No. And it sounds like it would be simple enough that the party, you know, for, to, to fall into that party game aspect, right, with the hidden rules, um, yes, which you want with that higher player count because that's most of the time likely where that's going to happen. So yes, awesome, yeah, that sounds interesting. Does it have a name? How about just sheep? <laughs> sheep that sheep. works. That works. Sheep question mark? <laughs> yeah, sheep. That sheep question mark is pretty good. I like that. <laughs> sheep? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, hey, Matthew, this has been super fun uh, having you on the show. I'm really glad that I uh, took a risk and just found someone on Twitter to join me. Uh, This has been a real fun episode. 
Um, uh, Jason, I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So let's, uh, before we do the end of the show, I'm going to do a little spiel here. Before we do that, um, tell me where people can find you online if they would like to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So currently you can find me on social media at uh, twitter.com slash coogames, C-O-O games, Matt, M-A-T-T, or facebook.com slash official. Unfortunately, I couldn't make them the same because somehow someone already has coup games on the internet. Man, but everywhere, right? <laughs> Nothing is everywhere. ever the same on everything. Nope, it's impossible. It is, and um, <laughs> and so when uh, so if you if you follow the Twitter and the Facebook, I'm assuming when the game com- uh, uh, composition goes on sale online, they will be able to get it. They'll be able to find out through there where they can Absolutely. find it. Absolutely. Okay. Excellent. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, great. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to plug, uh, while you're here, yours or someone else's? Nah, Jason, I just appreciate you having me on today. Thank you so much. Awesome. Sir. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Hey, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can find us at building the game You can email us at building the game podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, building the game podcast on the Twitter at podcast BTG. I am at J a Slingerland. And uh, you can also call us at 770-TELL-BTG. Leave us a voicemail that we will hopefully play uh, unless I'm lazy and I don't play it, in which case I apologize. Say something funny and uh, and I'm more likely to do it. Uh, that's not actually true. Uh, but anyways, so uh, yeah. Actually, say something really mean about the podcast that you think is funny. I'm probably more likely to play that. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all those other places, even places I've never even heard of. Review us in all those places. We love five stars. That'd be great. Uh, please come back and join us again next week. Until then, good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>